You should celebrate yourself every day, but some days you should celebrate with jewelry. Whether you want to commemorate an unforgettable moment or just bring some added sparkle to your collection, Blue Nile can offer you expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com today and experience the ease and convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com. BlueNile.com. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. You're with Late Lunch on LMFM Radio this Wednesday afternoon. You're very welcome to the show. Stellar lineup as usual for you and more besides. Don't forget the usual numbers if you want to get in touch with us. 086-1800-658 by WhatsApp or text. Well, I am so delighted my first guest this Wednesday afternoon on Midweek Late Lunch is sitting in studio because it's been oh too long. You will know her well because she has been our book reviewer on Late Lunch for years and then she headed off to pursue a stellar academic career and I am going to take poetic license here today or invoke poetic license and say Dr Margaret Madden welcome back to Late Lunch. (laughs) Thanks Jerry. I'll let you call me doctor for now. (laughs) (laughs) But you are. Well technically you can't call me that till I graduate in October Um, and I have to defend my thesis in it. Just a small little thing in front of a panel of experts. Well, we'd be grand and you can call me Dr. Well, I'd be Dr. Bonas Madden then. I see. Mm -hmm. So you are finished this journey that began at what, the age of 40? Yeah, at 40, I went and resat my leaving cert um, just because I, I hadn't finished it the first time I was pregnant, gave birth to my first child back in 1989. And I always wanted to prove I could do it. So um, I went back through the LM ETB and did one year um, history in English so I could complete it. It's never too late, is it, Margaret? It's Madden? never too late. And look what happened. <laughs> Can you believe, you know, that you went with the view of closing the circle on formal education, as we'd say in this country, second level to get your leave insert. Did you ever think you'd be sitting in that chair today and me addressing you as Dr. Not Margaret Bonas Not on my nearly, definitely not, definitely not. So how did that happen? Like, take us through the journey. You, you finished the leave insert at 40, just beyond 40. Go on. Yeah, so I was I was the only one, first of all, I, I should explain, doing higher level English. They hadn't had that before. So I was in the classroom with the other students, but I was in the, kind of in the corner on my own. So I learned quite quickly to kind of work on my own in that way. Uh, Brandon was my teacher up there in Dundalk and he was fantastic. He just left me to it. And when it was all over and I did really well, um, delighted with my results, I was like, what now? Like, I'm 41 now, but what now? And I just could not just sit at home anymore. You know, my kids, had, the youngest was kind of six or seven. And I said, no, I'm going to, I'm going to go to college. So I took out a student loan like everybody else. And it started in DKIT doing um, English history, politics and archaeology. 
And you took out your degree there. Yes, I finished it up there um, in three years. And after that, um, they they enjoyed my thesis at the end, my final thesis, which I had written on funerals in Irish fiction. And they suggested maybe that I would consider trying to get sponsorship to go on and do a master's. So I said, oh, sure, why not? I didn't want to finish there. And um, I was very lucky and got that. So they paid my fees. And uh, coming towards the end of that, then by some, I don't know, misunderstanding, I thought that I could carry it through to PhD level and they said, no, we're kind of done with you. And I was like, what? No, 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 no. I I have so much more to write about this. And uh, to make a long story short, um, they agreed to fund me to to the PhD level. Just fees only, no stipend or anything. So that was another five years on top. So in total from the Leaving Cert at 40, how many years has this taken you? Well, uh, uh, nearly 11 uh, but, but COVID was in the middle of that. Yeah. So we take one year out. So say 10 years. A decade. Yeah. Am I nuts? Like, I must be nuts. I'm nearly at retirement age now. No, you're not. <laughs> I'm, no, I'm not. I'm not. They keep extending retirement yes, age. Yes, of course. No, I'm 52 now. No, I'm 52 this March. Yeah. Um. So there's still a good few years left to me. Oh, mm-hmm. listen, you're only a young one for sure. When you reflect on that decade... Has it gone by quickly? You know, you know when you're when you start out, it, it seems like a long time. But when you look over your shoulder back, has it zipped by? Uh, no. <laughs> <laughs> the first th- the first four years, so the leaving cert and doing the undergraduate degree, that flew by. Yes. Um. Then the kind of five six years after that w- was at often times, and anybody who's done a PhD will tell you mm. it's, it's a difficult journey. No, that's why not everybody. Does it? Yeah. It's hard. It's really, really hard, especially if it's in um, an institution where there is not a very strong representation of PhD students. I was their first one in humanities, so I'm the first one that will be graduating from there. So it, it was a learning curve for them as well as me. What uh, an achievement it is. You are a trailblazer. You've uh, broken new ground <laughs> all the way along. But today I, I'm, I'm talking to you because I want to bring this message to the listeners today. Again, I go back to that point that it's never too late to begin and look what this wonderful woman has achieved. So uh, it'll be later this year when you're formally conferred uh, mm. with the, the doctorate. And you're teaching at the moment. I am, yeah. Just until I, I decide what I'm going to do when I grow up, Jerry. Do you know? <laughs> I, know <laughs> I am helping out in a local school. Yeah, I'm covering maternity leave for a wonderful teacher. And so I'm doing English and a bit of history and CSPE. Mm. tiny bit of politics that kind of thing What's that like? I What's love that it. like? What's that like with you know I mean I love teaching I, I did some primary school last year because once you have um, a related degree you can do substitute uh, substitute teaching and I really love it yeah I mean it's very different primary to secondary but um, the secondary school students are I know I don't know if I'm even allowed to say what school it is. I am <laughs> in Ballymacany College. Are fantastic and the staff are great, and they're trusting me. You know, they're trusting me with their students, and so far so good. It's only we been two weeks. Nervous so. that first time. You know, when you go in in front of a class of second level. I know you did some primary, yeah. but second level is a bit different. And uh, 
they sort of have a view of the world <laughs> well established in their own minds. Were you nervous going in taking the first class? Um, yeah, I think I was. But you see, I, I have been teaching undergraduates um, in DKIT for the past few years. Ah, as, right. So they would be, had just finished their leaving Yes, cert. yes. So there's not that much of a difference. There's three or four years mm-hmm. really in the difference. Mm. Um, so I, I'm not, I don't get too nervous, like, say, standing up in front of people yeah. and stuff. You kind of learn that as part of your undergrad that you have to present. And I think after presenting at academic conferences, it's diff- it's very different, Yeah. Um, but different kind of nerves. Mm. They're, lo- they're just so enthusiastic. Well, when you get them to put down the, the mirrors <laughs> to stop fixing their eyelashes and stuff like that. Yeah. <laughs> what yeah. about the phones? No phones no, allowed. No phones no allowed phone. in Ballymacany. No, and and it makes great. a big, big difference because oh, the previous school I was in, they were allowed their phones and it was... What a distraction. Mm. So you can't learn with, with phones and people online and that type of stuff. What is your aim in life now to take your doctorate forward what, what do you believe will be the dream job for you oh, definitely to, to lecture definitely to teach third level students and possibly write a book that would help third level students understand what it's like to write about Irish fiction um, a lot of academic books are uh, arsy I think I've said this to you before they're written in such a way that People just really don't, especially the younger uh, adults, don't understand what these people mean. I'd like to make it more accessible to them. Um, but to lecture, yeah, absolutely, that would be the dream in in the area of Irish studies, but particularly Irish fiction. Um, there's not a huge amount of work in Ireland for that, but I am prepared to travel abroad to do it for uh, fellowships, for semesters, you know. Wouldn't that be just... yeah. The dream. Yeah, you know, try a different city once a year. Yeah, yeah, why not? See the world, lecture in Irish studies and get paid for it as well. And uh, listen. Could you imagine Declan? He'd be on every flight over every weekend. (laughs) Where... Where's your wife? I'm on my way over to see her now. <laughs> it makes it sound as if I'm quite happy to leave Declan on his own. The semesters are very short and there's lots yes, of breaks. You yeah, know. of course there are. Yeah. Uh, that's the dream ticket. You, I have to say, deserve to be that person that does that in the future. And I, I wish you all the the luck in the world that, that will happen for you. And uh, knowing you, you'd make a great guest at all those different locations uh, across Europe and beyond with, with, with Irish Studies. We spoke, you mentioned you didn't complete your leaving cert because we spoke in a very touching interview about your early life when you mm. were asked to give up your child. Mm. Yeah, I mean... For adoption. Yeah, you have to remember it was kind of, this is five years after Anne Lovett. You know, we were still a country that was shrouded in shame around pregnancy and um, one of the conditions that was kind of put on me to remaining at home while pregnant um, was that I would put my child up for adoption. But after six weeks, and it became very apparent that I was not prepared to do that, um, I got to bring her home. Yeah. What age were you then? Uh, 16, pregnant, 17, having her. So the leaving cert was bang in the middle of that. You know, she was born in the September so I was heavily pregnant, not knowing what the hell was going to happen. An emotional wreck, really, you know. Um, and it, ironically, then, when I went on decades later to do further study, I ended up becoming sick and getting a diagnosis of MS in the middle of that. So I had to defer for a year. Um, so it's like every time I was just getting to finish something, 
I was getting kind of kicked in the stomach again. Um, but I just pulled my socks up and said, no, this is not going to get me. It's just not going to get me. I am going to wear that floppy hat at my graduation and you're going to call me doctor for the rest of your, <laughs> rest of your life. It's going to be now doctor and Mr. Madden. You know, <laughs> usually it's doctor and Mrs. Yes. Um, well, no, let's shake things up a bit. Yeah. I get knocked down, but I get up again. Oh, yeah, you know maybe. that song? Yeah. You know that song? Trouble Wumba, is that, it? Yeah, that is, that is you and that's what you've yeah. proven. And I, I was going to come on to that, the MS as well. You know, you have those challenges uh, along the way. And it's funny you mention Anne Lovett mm. because on Monday, this is Wednesday, on Monday on the show, I was talking to Susie Bourne, Gay Bourne's daughter, who's published a fantastic book with the letters that were sent to her dad's show. And one of the oh topics God, yeah. we covered, which Gay covered extensively, you can imagine, you know, in yeah. Ireland at that time, was Anne Lovett and the way she died at that grotto in Granada yeah. as well. It's a real irony that you mentioned that Absolutely. today. Absolutely. And the, the fabulous drama on RTE last week about it, it. One of the most heart-wrenching performances I've ever seen. And that girl's name will never be out of my head. I, As I said, there's only five years between us. Mm. But, you know, there, but for the grace of God, go I. Um, I have goosebumps sitting here now, sorry. <laughs> um, you can't see my goosebumps on the radio. Go, well, but you I might. Do. Well, you might, because, yeah. you know, the, it's understandable. Has, it brings me on to something else, because when, when, when we reflect on your story and, and love it and all the issues that came to the fore in Ireland and out into the open, is it a better country? Is that behind us? Is all that in the past? Well, I'd like to think so. I really would. Um, I think the supports that are in place, there's many, first of all, something as simple as there being contraception available. There was no contraception available in the 80s. You had to go to the Virgin Megastore and buy them. And, um, you know, that was it. Um, and I mean, the girls can get it now free in college. They, it's that in itself is huge. Um, it's the attitudes of people I'd like to think have changed. I don't think it's a big deal to see somebody with no wedding ring pushing a pram now. But it was. It was like it was considered to be horrendous. Not not necessarily a sin. You see, I didn't grow up in a religious household, so it was never considered a sin. I can only speak on on my what my father, I believe he saw his daughter, her opportunity in life stopping. Mm. I don't think it, he was horrified with the fact that I was making a, committing a sin it was just a different time yes. opportunities weren't there if you had a baby you described that so well and that, and that is a fact it, it probably was the overriding factor yeah. because that's the way we don't really talk about it very often no 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 yeah. and, and and you know that's that that was a, a thing of the times back then but mm. Look, as you say, we've come an awful long way. Yeah. We really have. And look at the way you've come as well. Oh. Back to you and your personal story yeah. and where you are at today. It's it's just simply marvellous. It's it mad really though is. as well because my uh, my expertise, as I can't believe I can call myself the expert now, um, is on such a sad topic. But yet I'm just not that kind of person at all. Mm. You know, so even when I'm presenting abroad, like I introduce, I, I tend to wear like... I should explain what my topic is. It's it is funerals in contemporary Irish fiction, and it's talking about grief um, in that period after the funeral when you're still people are still giving you space. They're still bringing you around your meals. You know, you're in this liminal space where you haven't 
really moved back to normalcy yet. And it's a very short period of time that I'm I'm covering. But uh, I so I start off all of my uh, lectures with things like uh, I might wear a bright yellow dress and say, listen, b- before we go into this, I'm not a dark person. This is just something that happens to it's the, one of the most inevitable things in life. Mm. And um, the way we Irish deal with death is very specific. And mm. that's what I'm here to talk about. Yeah, it's a terrific subject. And that you came to it is wonderful. And the doors it's opened up for mm. you is. Well, hopefully. Ah, <laughs> absolutely. Not hopefully. It is. It is going to happen. Look, it's great to catch up with you today on the show. Uh, thank you for coming in to us on Late Lunch. We miss great. you. We do I miss you. you. We always do. And uh, this will not be the end, I'm sure, of uh, Dr. Margaret Madden on Late Lunch. It's only the beginning of a new chapter with her. I wish you well for the year ahead. Congratulations in advance and good luck with everything you do. And may those flights to different cities around the world happen and you become the guest lecturer in those universities. Oh, it's great you. to see you. I'll send you postcards. Please do. I'd love that. <laughs> Thanks, Jerry. Margaret Madden, thank you for joining us on Late Lunch this Wednesday afternoon. How much is that dog in the window? The one with the waggly tail How much is that doggy in the window? I do hope that dog is for sale They won't be playing that song any longer in South Korea. It's a lovely song, isn't it, about the doggy? You like the song, Brian? It's gone back a few years now. Where that's uh, Slightly before my time. Yeah, and mine too, <laughs> I have to say, when you listen to it there. <laughs> but, Brian, they're not going to be playing it anymore in South Korea. No, no, no. Very shortly. By 2027, it'll be phased out altogether because, you see, that song in South Korea has different connotations to the lovely, uh, fluffy and lovable four-legged friend that you and I have a view of. You know what I mean? In, in this neck of the woods, because, you see, over there and in the Far East, they eat their dogs. I know. I wouldn't fancy you. I wouldn't, wouldn't either, Brian. Like, you know... Would you put in the slow cooker or would you do in the air fryer? No, no, no. Mr. Farley, don't, don't look at the time of the day it is and people at their dinners as well. That's, don't even, don't even go no, there. No, like, you know, like, you know, like, <laughs> <laughs> what would you have? Like, would you have dog curry? You know, like, you know, after Christmas you have the turkey curry, right? Would you go for a bit of dog curry now, would you? Oh my God, you are offending so many late lunch listeners today. There, there is a dish, you're not far off the mark actually. There's a dish called Boshing Tang, uh, which is a dog meat stew, which is considered oh. a delicacy in Korea. But yes, the news, the news yesterday is that the government there are going to, by 2027, uh, they're bringing in legislation to end uh, humans eating dog meat in South Korea. Well, it's all over. Believe it or not, I was talking to Breed to reception just before we came down and we were on about cooking and all this stuff and what you had for your lunch and all this stuff. And I was telling her I got a slow cooker over Christmas. But I think in El Washington now it'd be, it'd be a bit... <laughs> Is it carrots and parsnips I, I put in with? Oh, oh listen, it all go in with it. It's the usual. It's just, just you know throw I mean? everything in. It's it. just the difference. The meat is the only difference. Instead of beef or lamb. It's dog. Yeah. And a stock cube. Yeah. And a carrot. Yes. <laughs> yes. Woof, woof. Did you ever, like, what was the most unusual thing you've ever had? Oh, God, no. 
Now, now I just want to say this beforehand. They know I love uh, our four legged friends, and our, I have my own messy, and we have so many dog lovers out there. I, I, I couldn't. Brian, have you, no, you've never eaten dog meat in your life. Not that I know of. No, I don't think so either. I, and I wouldn't. It wouldn't be my. I just couldn't. Oh my god! I don't even think of it. I see. A, actually, before I, I'll tell you about what I've eaten. Uh, Lee Che Yun, a twenty-two-year-old student in Korea, said that the ban was necessary to promote animal rights. More people have pets today, uh, she said. Dogs are like family now and it's not nice to eat your family no it's not no no I, I I couldn't see that you know like it's eat the dog or me brother you know like it's it's no, no. you know no, <laughs> also I don't think I gave him in the slow cooker so I don't know where this is going today why did I even mention it with Farley and with me this week I, oh my god almighty the, what, what, what do you mean about the, or the strangest thing I, I don't know strange things um, let me think uh, well well th- Talking about conventional sort of butchery and that, I'd, I'd enjoy a cow tongue. Would, have you ever no, tasted cow no, tongue? No, I've never had a cow tongue. No. Well, you see, I'm all into offal and that. I love me offal. Cow tongue is beautiful. It's, oh, this, my this God. This could be like, a, I'm a celebrity. You know where they eat the weird things. <laughs> yeah. Would you not have a go at a cow tongue, Brian? No. Really? Well, do you remember we were down in Carlingford? We were. And we had the oysters. Down the hatch. And you've seen how much I liked them, didn't you? <laughs> You've you seen how my face, you know, was lit up by the taste. I went, you know. I wouldn't say lit up, but I no. did see your face. And I can remember it from that day as well. Yeah, it's seafood, eel, you know what I mean? I've eaten eel, mm, um, no. enjoyed eel for for sure. Uh, and little slipper eels, tiny ones abroad and bigger ones in this country as well. But really, when it comes to food, I'd give anything a go. As I've said here before, except try boiled cow stomach. No. Raw mm. cow stomach. Try mm. raw with a bit of salt. Yes. Yes. Have you ever had tripe or cow's no. stomach? No, I'm, I'm going to tell you now. You're going to actually laugh at me. The strangest thing I ever had, right? Okay. Was years ago when we were children, we were on holidays over in, I think it was Tormelinus, and uh, we had an apartment and we were self-catering. Yeah. And I love onion rings. Okay. My mother got onion rings and we were cutting through the onion rings and said, it's not hard to cut these onion rings, you know. <laughs> and you're cutting and cutting. It turned out now they weren't onion rings, they were squid rings. Squid? Squid Lovely rings. Lovely, Brian. No. Oh, Brian, Brian, you haven't lived. Squid is absolutely gorgeous. No. Oh, yes, Brian. Now, uh, as you can see, I have a fairly uh, steely stomach because I've tried an awful lot, but uh, I wouldn't go. DOG is just... No, I, I, I don't. I don't. I don't think poor little fluffy. No. Yeah, I don't think I'm going to eat fluffy now from there later <laughs> there on. So now, good news for all dogs in Korea today. Well, they have three years to wait. You would late lunch on LMFM Radio 086-1800-658 by WhatsApp or text if you want to send us a message today. Coming up to two on the show with a great one for you. It's West Life after two on late lunch. It's our doc, Kate McCann. Everybody's looking for that something Yes, we're 10 days into the new year already, but still people are wishing each other a happy and healthy new year. And that is what people wish for, because your health is your wealth. And that's an old saying that goes way back. My mother used to always say it, and our grandparents too, and it moves along with us today. Health is everything, and you only realise it when your health is compromised. I'm delighted to say hello to one of our regulars on the show. We love her, Dr. Kate McCann. Happy New Year to you, and a healthy New Year. Happy New Year, Jerry. Thanks for having me. Thanks for joining me on the show today. And the theme today is being healthy in the new year. Just to begin with, um, following you as I do, you're not a great fan, are you, of healthy New Year resolutions? 
No, and I'm not a big fan of New Year's resolutions, just for a couple of basic reasons. One is they tend to they tend to put people under pressure. The, the culture around them tends to put people under pressure to make huge sweeping changes that they might not be really, really ready for. And we also know that many times people are making resolutions that they actually might need to do for their health, like get more active or give up smoking. But, um, you know, the way that New Year's resolutions go about it, sometimes it's just too much, too fast. And we know it doesn't work because, you know, this Friday actually is well, what we know is annual is Quitters Day, which means the second Friday after New Year's, a large, large percentage of people will have already given up on their New Year's resolutions. And uh, that is research and underpinned by solid research as well. I I was reading something recently, I forget where it was, in one of the supplements at the weekend, who were actually saying this, going along with what you're saying. In fact, they were saying, look, if you want to give, if you want to look at your drinking, say, for example, moderate it for a start and see where that goes. Would that be a better policy rather than that pressure you're talking about to stop totally? Well, yeah, drinking can be a little bit different, but yeah, it definitely can, it can be better to have a more moderate approach. I think coming out of Christmas, a lot of people do examine their alcohol intake um, and there's a big pressure to do dry January, which, you know, as a doc, I'm definitely going to, I'm never going to say that a period of sobriety is a bad thing. Um, But, you know, it depends how you use the dry January. If you're using it as a quote unquote detox, which doesn't work you know with a plan to start binging again as soon as the six nations start hmm. you're not really accomplishing much if you use your dry january to have to, to approach your uh, your relationship with alcohol differently going forward after the end of dry january then it's making some progress it's a good time for people who are we call sober curious um to, to kind of explore those options Dieting and crash dieting at the start of the year where people say, look, I've had a great Christmas, great New Year celebration, and now I'm just going to cut it down to absolutely nothing. What about that? Look, diets don't work. Um, I don't think there's a doctor or, or health professional or dietitian out there who are, isn't going to agree with me. Diets, and when we mean diets, that word can be a few different things, but we need a short-term or fixed-term, highly restrictive pattern of eating. Um, it doesn't doesn't yield long term health gains. So that's what we really want to look at. So um, if you want to get eating healthier, absolutely. I'm as I'm a doc. I'm never going to say that making healthy changes isn't a good idea, but these should be sustainable. These should be patterns. If you want to eat more healthily, well, great. If you're going to add more veggies into your diet, great. But these should be things that you think keep going with over time, not something for six or eight weeks. The gyms are full at the moment and will be. But again, like that, you mentioned Friday as a a marker. That just eases off then as time goes by. How do you, you know, get into the exercise regime, be it a gym, be it uh, starting to walk, more walking, jogging, whatever you want to do exercise-wise, that will stick? How do you go down that road to make it stick for you? I got to be honest, you got to love it. And this is, honestly, Jerry, this is where people fall down is that there are a number of people who got that gym membership 10 days ago, 12 days ago. And you know what? They hate the gym, Jerry. And that's actually okay. It's not their, it's not their thing. If you hate what you've committed to doing, you're not going to stick it with it. It doesn't become, it just becomes a source of, of stress or discouragement. You're, you know, you hate doing it. You feel guilty when you don't do it. 
you know, one of the things my the, where I start with my patients, and we need to get more active, we start with the joy. If you like walking, great. If you like swimming, great. If you like the gym, great. You know, I have a patient who does ballroom dancing. That's that's their that's their physical activity. It it doesn't matter what it is as long as you have the joy. And if you hate the gym, you know, do consider whether you want to renew that membership next month. You gotta love it, says Dr. Kate McCann, and I love what you're saying because then it will stick for sure. Now, on the other hand, we've talked there about a number of issues. Sleep, which is a topic we covered in the past and people crave better sleeping and I don't have to tell you how important decent sleep is to good health. What have you to say on that front? Yeah, prioritizing sleep is key and I know we've we've talked entire sessions about this before and but yeah, if you're not getting the sleep you need and um, you know, you start with the, what we call the good sleep hygiene you know, prioritizing that in the home, turning off the screens. And if you still aren't getting that sleep or you're getting the sleep that you're waking up, what we call unrefreshed, where you've, you've been in bed all night, you've slept through the night, but you wake up, you're still dragging. It is time to see the doc and, and see if there's things we need to do to help you going forward. That social media addiction is getting uh, greater than ever, more prominent than ever, uh, capturing more people than ever. What's the answer, Kate? Um, setting setting limits, you know, especially for um, for young people in particular, it's setting limits. Um, when I work with families and and, and patients and, and as a group, usually we I encourage my uh, patient families to set a household limit. Usually, that there's kind of a time at night where the Wi-Fi goes down, devices are not kept in bedrooms, the screens are out of the rooms, um, and that we we really schedule and are aware of how much screen time is is getting in the way of other things in our lives, whether it's sleep, whether it's talking to people, whether it's um, even paying attention to what we're eating. Mm. Uh, I saw you uh, in one of your recent uh, blogs having a crack at TikTok, this whole uh, uh, belief that everything begins on TikTok. It doesn't, doesn't, Kate. <laughs> Oh, uh, here now that there was an ad on the other evening and I, I saw it and it was just suggesting that by scrolling through endless TikTok videos, you could be inspired to make healthy changes in your life. And typically we know that's not likely to be true. <laughs> <laughs> For sure. Absolutely. Thank God somebody's talking a bit of sense uh, on that front. Operation Transformation has begun as well. And of course, you've been one I've noticed, uh, not just this year, but in previous years, to comment on that and the whole philosophy behind it. You're still not in love with it. I'm still not. And I think I've got a number of reasons. And I, I do blog about this. So anyways, kind of interested in it. I, I blog about this and I blog about it every week. I do um, do... I do do one um, joint clinic with a few other consultants in weight management. So this is some area I'm, I'm very passionate about is the is is expert care for patients with the disease of obesity or patients with chronic health conditions. And I, I just feel it's just a personal thing, but I just feel that this is a sign that our healthcare is broken. Patients need to go on a television show to get access to healthcare due to you know long waiting lists or lack lack of services. And um, I just think some of the approach, the, the focus on weight, I think, is still there. They try to get, you know, make it less, but it's still every patient is weighed in publicly wearing Lycra. And I just I don't think we need that anymore. I think we've moved on as a society and there's better options out there and there's better approaches. Uh, it's interesting what you what you say. They're really interesting and making a very strong point indeed. 
in a general sense, we've covered many areas there that all are uh, intertwined when it comes to being more healthy in the new year. I've been talking to people at the moment. I have a bloody sinusitis myself again now, a run of things I'm experiencing. But the general feedback from GP practices and that is that there are a lot of people attending with chest, flu, colds, you know, all that type of thing at at the moment. Give us a few uh, pointers, will you? How can you actually, you know, get away from this type of illness and sickness? That's a bloody nuisance. Well, I mean, right now, um, I think, you know, it won't be um, a surprise to anyone to learn that we are in the midst of a surge of influenza right now. Um, There's a new strain of COVID running around coming out of RSV season. It's not as prevalent as it was maybe a few weeks ago, but still there. So there are there is a large amount of respiratory viruses circulating. Mm. Um, You know, our flu vaccine uptake this year could have been better, especially among at risk groups. Um, so we're seeing right now, we're seeing the peak of influenza season. Um, I mean, it's the basics that actually work and nobody ever wants to do the basics. The basics are, you know, if you're sick, stay home, whatever it is, nobody wants it. Washing your hands, good respiratory hygiene, you know, and the, the very basic things, you know, eating well, getting enough sleep. Um, these are things that are going to support um, staying healthy. I think the one that I always remind my patients is to make sure you're getting your vitamin D. That is a public health recommendation in Ireland that between Halloween and St. Patrick's Day every year that we're all on a vitamin D supplement. Yes, and and that's been mentioned uh, again and again to people and it is very important. You think that would make a huge difference as as a population. Should we not be looking at that really? You know, we uh, put out health messages from the HSC and the Department of Health time on time. Would that not be a good thing to do going forward to, you know, really push the vitamin D and make it easier for people to take it between those dates you mentioned there? Yeah, they do have they do have some campaigns out there. I don't think they get the traction um, that other stuff gets. And um, HSC campaigns often get a lot of traction. Um, and the reason for that is is quite simple: that many of us would get our ads and our information from social media, and it's dependent on algorithm. You know, things going viral get higher content. Um, I think one of the campaigns HSC you know, put out a few years ago, which was when they launched minor injury units. And yet today I can talk to patients. They still never heard of them, despite radio, television and um, social media campaigns. It's not too late to, to start the vitamin D this very week, is it? This weekend to get it and keep it going for the next eight to 10 weeks. No, not at all. And this is it's recommended for all age groups. Um, for patients with certain chronic health conditions, your GP may actually have prescribed a higher dose of vitamin D. Um, but and if you're not sure of the recommendations for your age group, you can check the HSC website. It actually lays out exactly how much you should be looking for. Um, it can be kind of confusing looking at those micrograms on a vitamin supplement. So any questions, I'd pop into your chemist and talk to your registered pharmacist who can be a great source of advice. So that's your one supplement that you would push all the way, Kate? That's it. And you know I'm not a fan of the supplement industry. So that is the one that we've got really good evidence for, yeah. Fantastic advice all the way from Dr. Kate McCann today. I think we've set them up for the new year, Kate, in a general sense. We've covered off so much there today. I thank you always for your time and look forward to you joining us over the coming months on the various topics that affect people's health. Again, Happy New Year to you and thanks for everything.
Very welcome, Jerry. Happy New Year. Take care. That's Dr. Kate McCann there. And you can follow her. I'd, I'd advise you to check her out. It's mdoc.ie. That's emdoc.ie. Emdoc.ie. It's a brilliant website. She's fantastic. Check out her blogs as well. She blogs away there regularly and she has tremendous advice. She's a wonderful woman. She's our doc on late lunch. Mdoc.ie. Emdoc.ie. January. Don't be shy. Tell your story to me. A hairy moment for you. The grand if you do I need to know on the late lunch show Yes it's January on late lunch and I want to give one of you a thousand euro cash before the end of January. What do you have to do? Join me on late lunch and tell me about that hairy moment in your life. We have a panel of judges and they'll pick the winner before the end of January and standing by to tell me his hairy story is Mr. Simon Dunn. Good afternoon, Simon. How you doing, Jerry? I'm really good. Now, we're talking about a time when you were in Australia. That's correct, yeah. It's about 23 years ago now, back in the the millennium year, 1999, 2000. Myself and my now wife, uh, we travelled out to Australia and we were travelling up the east coast, and uh, we came to this place, it was Samuri Beach Bungalows, a fantastic spot, and across the road was this uh, sort of secluded beach. Mm. So myself and ourselves decided we'd go for a walk. It was about 10 or 15 minutes sort of out into the, the sand dunes. We came across this lovely beach, and we were there for the day, and it was one of these beaches that, uh, what you call it, you know, you could... You could enjoy nature. Yes. It was, uh, you know, clothes is optional. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> <laughs> and, and did you stay covered the Perry or did you opt for uh, the natural world yourselves? Oh, uh, for what you call it. We, we tried at the natural world for a while, so we did. Okay. But uh, what you call it, everything was going fine, so it was uh, on, on the way home. There was this guy in, and he had his Land Rover and he was stuck on the beach. The tide was coming in. Oh, no. And he decided to ask us, could we uh, give him a hand? So, what you call it? I, I obliged and he handed me a shovel. We were shoveling away at the jeep uh, at the wheel, started to try to get these boards under us to get a bit of grip. Yes. And uh, what you call it? He was wearing your, your typical Aussie hat and, you know, a, sort of a a check shirt mm. and then there was a, a gust of a breeze <laughs> and his check shirt blew open and here he was which I, I, I had to pretend that I didn't see <laughs> with this red ribbon tied around his waist holding up his man bits <laughs> <laughs> I love it I love it did your good wife get a, get a, get a, uh, an eyeful as well or was it just you it was just myself, what you call it. She didn't happen to notice. So I I had to stay digging, so I had to, what you call it, just to pretend I didn't see anything. But uh, what you call it. Anyway, we got we got him going, we did, and uh, we, we proceeded our way back, so we did back to the accommodation. And uh, when we got home that evening, right. we had a shower. Okay. And uh, we could feel the burn. We realised... Because we were after getting a bit more sun than we realised. 
And, uh, in in, so in places of, you wouldn't normally get the sun. In, in places you normally wouldn't okay. get. Okay. So we didn't have that much after sun left, so we, 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 we slept. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, Right. For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss. PlushCare.com slash weight loss. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Covered on as much as we could for that evening, and uh, the following day we had to make our way to the local pharmacy. After having a good laugh at us, they uh, made up this concoction of uh, natural yogurt and aloe vera, Lovely. which we had to slobber on ourselves. We spent about two days in the room, you know, what you call it, lying on the bed more like an expensive dessert. <laughs> <laughs> I think you've just given me a double hairy moment because when you, when you spotted your man's manhood on the beach, that was certainly a hairy hairy moment. And uh, then you had your own with the with the after the after yeah. sun the, the after what, sun treatment. What, what, what he was doing with the ribbon round his waist, well, I don't know. But well, obviously, it obviously, maybe he was afraid of the wind blowing us. Yes, it served a purpose for sure. What's your wife's name? My wife is Helen. Ah, good on you, Helen. Well done, well done. Listen, you told it very well. I really do like it. You're in the mix for the thousand euro. Thanks so much for coming on and telling us the story, Simon. Thank you. Take care of yourself. Bye-bye. That's Simon down there with his hairy moment. He's in the mix for a thousand euro. Have you a hairy story? I want to give only a thousand euro. I'm going to give it away by the end of the month. I promise you. Can you come on here? Will you come on? Come on and tell me a story. You will, of course. Come on to late lunch and tell me your story. If you have a hairy moment, let us know. 086-1800-658 by WhatsApp or text. Send us a message now. We'll give you a shout and do the rest from there. All you have to do is uh, get in touch with us now on late lunch. Harry to 086-1800-658 by WhatsApp or text. And we'd be delighted to air your story. And you could have that thousand euro in your poker before the end of the month. As you know, on Friday last on late lunch, we celebrated our 15th birthday and it's a real marker of time. And I have to say my next guests are markers of time as well, because 
they are 10 years living in our community here in the northeast. I'm talking about the Franciscan Sisters of Renewal and St. Anthony, St. Anthony's Convent here in Drogheda. And I'm delighted to welcome to the show today Sisters Kelly Francis and Solanus. You're very welcome to Late Lunch. Thank you for joining me. Absolutely. Thanks so much for having us. Oh, I'm delighted to have you. Your predecessors sat in these chairs as well <laughs> all those years Ten ago. Ten years ago now. Yes, when you arrived in Drogheda as well. Ten years, a decade. <laughs> oh, my word. How long are you uh, with the sisters in Drogheda? In Drogheda. Well, I was here 10 years ago. Were you? Um, but Were you I, in the studio? I was not in the studio. No, I was at the convent praying that it would go well in the studio. <laughs> <laughs> but I was here 10 years ago. I've been here for eight of the last 10 years in total. Oh, yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. Very good. And Sister Solanus, what about you? I just arrived... Almost a year ago. Okay, so you're a real newbie. Yes, I am. <laughs> How many sisters are in the convent in Drogheda? There, normally there's four of us. We just had a sister move back to New York and we have a new one who'll move in once her visa comes through. So it'll be probably around Easter that we'll be back to four. That's been our normal number. We've been about four sisters the whole time, more or less, with people coming and going. And I, I look at where you are. You have four convents in the United States. You have Drogheda here in Ireland and you have Leeds mm-hmm. in the UK. How many would be in your convent? Congregation in total, a number of sisters. We're a rather small community in total. There's 30 of us, more or less, uh, at this point. So we're 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 small. We only began. It was 1988 that our community was founded in New York in the Bronx, and then Leeds was our our first mission convent that opened outside of the United States, and that was in 2009, and then here in Drogheda, 2013. So we're very small, yeah. but we're little by little. Each year we have a few who will join with us, and that's how it goes. So My mammy used to say when she was alive, there's good goods in little packages, <laughs> and that's something to remember. You know, you don't have to be enormous to make an impact mm. in this life. You're two young women Catholic nuns in an order in a convent here. Tell us a bit about yourselves. First of all, your, your, yourself, uh, Sister Kelly Francis. How did you come to profess to be a nun? Sure. So I'm from a Catholic family and was was raised with faith, which is a blessing that I am grateful for and don't take for granted for sure. Um, I when I was growing up, my family they taught me um, one thing that I just not even through words, but through their example, that God had a plan for my life. And if I followed that, I would be happy. And so as I was a teenager wondering, what will I, you know, what will I be when I grow up? What will I do with my life? Um, My question really was, God, what is your plan for my life? And I spent time in prayer, in Eucharistic adoration, in the uh, the chapel of my own church growing up, um, asking that question. And as I asked that question in prayer, I experienced God... um, just simply saying, what if my plans to you for, for you are to be a sister? Would you be open to that? Just to ask for my openness. And that was an easy yes for me because I already had the sense, I want what your plans are for my life. And so he said, what I felt he said to me at that point was, you don't have to enter a convent tomorrow. I went on to university. I studied civil engineering. I love civil engineering. I worked as a land surveyor. I enjoyed that completely. Um, And as that went on, the desire for the religious life also grew in my own heart. So I continued to learn about what what it was to be a sister, looked into 
different communities found out about ours, came and visited, and the whole rest. And by the time after I graduated um, from university, I felt clear that the Lord had made me for this. And I ended up joining the sisters after I graduated. So it was a pretty certain path for you. That's what I'm hearing. Well, it, to me, it was like a step by step by step. The Lord, I didn't have any big major this way and then that way, but it was kind of, I didn't know all along. He asked for my openness and I said I could be open. And then it was one step at a time almost. So I, to me, it's like a little staircase. That's how I picture my vocation story where the Lord knew me. He knew what I needed and knew that step by step would be the, the best way for me. So you completed your education. You worked in society and then you went on the journey. How many years did it take you to become uh, So I entered in 2008. Um, that was right after I had graduated from university. Mm-hmm. And I made my final profession of vows in 2016. Right, eight so years. That's a, that's a typical amount yes. of time for us of yes. how long the yeah. process is because, of course, you don't want to make vows to God lightly. And uh, you want to make sure that, that it's really what, what you think you want to be doing for the rest of your life. Let's so. hear uh, what uh, Sister Solanus <laughs> has to say about <laughs> her journey. Yes. So similar to Sister Kelly Francis, I grew up in a Catholic family. And um, while I was in Catholic primary school, we learned about religious vocations. And a priest said to us one day um, that... God is going to ask some some of you boys and girls to be priests and to be nuns. And you can say no to that. And he said, and that's okay, and God's going to love you, but nothing on earth will make you happier than doing the will of God, than doing what God made you for. And that stayed with me my whole life. It's still with me. Um, and so growing up, I knew about religious life, but I wasn't interested. I said, I don't, that seems boring. Mm. <laughs> Not interested. Um, And yet, while I was little, I also learned the story of a holy Franciscan priest. His name was Blessed Solanus Casey. His parents were immigrants from Ireland um, to America. And seeing his life, he was a religious, he was a priest, and he was so happy, um, so, so happy. And I prayed to him when I was younger that I would know God's will and that I would be happy doing his will. Um, And so growing up, he was a role model for me in seeking what God's plan was for my life. Um, But I went to university and I studied chemistry. I wanted to be a doctor. I wanted to be a researcher. All sorts of different plans and all seemed exciting to me, but none of them, none of the ideas of these plans left me with peace. Um, They were exciting, but I couldn't see it being my whole life. And at the same time, I was growing in prayer. I was going to daily mass. I was praying with the Bible and the scriptures and um, kept feeling the invitation from the Lord to consider religious life, to consider making him my whole life, giving my whole life to him. And as that thought persisted, a desire grew, and I came to know that nothing was going to make me happier than giving my whole life to God, than spending my whole life for him in the church. And um, so I made some phone calls and talked to, I didn't know any sisters really at that time, um, a couple, but I, I talked to different communities and when I went out to New York to visit our sisters, it felt like being at home. Um, and it, it was a real confirmation for me of God made me for this. Um, and this is where I want to be. And so I, I graduated university in 2019 um, and I entered the community that fall. I moved to New York. Um, so I just professed my first temporary vows okay. in the summer of 2022. Um, and I'll, I'll renew my vows year by year for the next few years. Um, 
and when will you be qualified if I can use the <laughs> word qualified <laughs> in, in the wrong sense I know but no, you know no, what no, I mean yeah. when will you yeah. profess so fully we, spend, we usually spend about at least five years in our temporary vows before making our final profession yes. Um, yes. so I have a few more years to go <laughs> But if I were a betting man now, your odds on. <laughs> I'm very, very happy to be where I am. <laughs> I can't see you've been knocked off course at all. I'm astounded by your faith and the way the path opened up for both of you. So seamlessly, really, in a way. It was meant to be for both. You know what I'm saying? I'm sure listeners get this this too. And, and the, the love you have for what you do. I want to focus in on something both of you said. Because in the world today, you know, I've had... I've, I've got married. I've had children. I have grandchildren. I have family. And I hear you talking about peace. Mm. <laughs> this word, peace. And peace in the world in general. And it's something I pray for as well each day. Health, happiness... And peace. Peace is very difficult to come by. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you, you, you know what I'm talking about, mm-hmm. uh, Sister mm-hmm. Kelly Francis. Mm-hmm. What do you have to say about that? You know, for in life, as you live your life, not within a religious order or mm-hmm. l- like you ladies sure. are as well. You know sure. what I'm talking about? It's, it's, a, it's a struggle, isn't it? It's a struggle. It's even a struggle for those who are in the religious life, is just it? to let you is know. Oh, my. <laughs> We're also part of the human race, and uh, and it's a struggle for all of us. Now, the beautiful thing is that peace is actually, it's a gift from God, and it's also something we can choose. So uh, those of us who've been confirmed, we would learn that peace is one of the uh, fruits of the Holy Spirit, and that that's something that, that the Holy Spirit um, kind of grows in us that comes from God. It comes from God. Um, and so we can enter into that through prayer, uh, through so many different ways, through experiences of the beauty of nature and the uh, tranquility of a place that we love to go and just sit and be. Uh, there's so many different ways that we can enter into uh, tr- to true peace and, and receive it. But also it's something that we can make a choice for. And what happens, uh, what I mean by that is um, that in the midst of chaos and storms and all kinds of things going on, whether they be in our families or in the world, uh, the news, the everything that's going on, or just in our own hearts, the the turmoil of life and, and how it, it agitates us and we experience that, that there is a choice that we can make um, to connect with God in the midst of it and to, to come to him. And I, I even have experienced this recently in my own life that um, in the midst of a some crazy things going on or things that are very much out of my own control. What can I do about the externals? They're not within my control. And yet when I can be aware that God is with me in the midst of the storm, like the story from the scriptures of, of uh, you know, the storm and the apostles and Jesus there, that when I can be aware, God is actually here with me in this. There's a choice for peace that we can make, and it's in our minds, and it's in what we focus on. If we focus on the storm, then we're in the storm. If we focus on the Lord, then we're with him, and there's peace in the boat. And that's to everybody listening to us today. That's a, a, a way to mm-hmm. to have to find peace. Exactly, think. exactly. That it's that there is that possibility for all of us to be able to to choose what we're going to give our thoughts and our attention and our focus to, and that actually makes. A, a world of difference. 
the news each uh, do you watch television we actually don't have television in our convent and we do it intentionally we choose not to you don't watch now TV. it's not that we're not aware of yes. anything but we're also we limit that for the for the sake of peace and prayer aren't you lucky <laughs> i was only talking about it to my doctor early on and the scourge that this uh, world of ours is driven by this stuff this phone that's sitting beside me and been online all the time and all this stuff you are so lucky so you don't ha- have tv do you listen to radio at all? And, and do, you, do, you, do you use social media? We don't use social media. We don't have it in the convent, at least. Obviously, it's not that we can't look at it if someone's showing us something. Yes, yes. But we, ch- we choose to, to protect our life deliberately for that because it can, it can take over your life, as, as so many experience that the addiction or the sense of, I've got to be caught up on this, this, and this. And, and the reality is that our life, of course, by virtue of being religious, that we're able to give a very clear focus and a sense of we don't need to have all of this uh, in in our day to day. So it's a deliberate choice on our part, and it is very unusual. We're very aware it of that. Is. <laughs> and I can understand the distraction of, of mm-hmm. everything it is enormous. But you are aware that in this world at the moment, <laughs> Ukraine is happening, the yes. Middle East situation. Mm-hmm. There, I think I've said it here numerous times since the new year. There's fifty something wars going on all around this world of ours. It's you know, as somebody of faith and and a belief in God. Why is this happening? Is there an answer to it? <laughs> it's a big question. Isn't That's it? a big question. It's a very big, big question. question. You know, it's a big. It's a question people ask. That if there is a God, why is this happening on Earth today? You, can you reason that at all? No. Is it, well, the first, the first response I ever have to make is just that my heart breaks. Um, that that's my first reaction. Yes. And, and it's a question that we think of too. Uh, why? Why is this happening? And um, and the reality that God gave us free will to choose love. Because um, if we don't have a free will and we're forced to love, then it's not real love. Mm-hmm. Um, and so the reality that there are that there are times in all of us, but to more extreme extents, that people choose hatred and choose evil, um, and it hurts. And you see also in these circumstances too where beautiful acts of love are called forth from communities of of people going in to help in humanitarian efforts um, that that because there is such a tragedy um, at the same time an enormous service and love is called forth um, it's a mystery um, and and one that we grapple with but mm. but um, to know that the Lord the Lord is with us in it um, takes faith and trust. We, we we have such failings as human beings, mm-hmm. don't we? And you, mm-hmm. you mentioned it there, you mm-hmm. know. And, and that is a really important point to make. In the midst of these huge crises, mm-hmm. there are people in there working to save lives, mm-hmm. to try and make the best of an absolutely awful situation. And that never really is picked up on, probably. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? In, 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 in the news that we are fed mm-hmm. each day, it's... Uh, yeah, I, I, I've said it here before. I find it very difficult too, and I do watch the television on behind you there, <laughs> up, up on the wall to keep to keep an eye on what's going on. What do you do, Kelly Francis, uh, <laughs> on a daily basis? What's your modus operandi within the community here? Mm-hmm. What, what happens? People always want to know this. It's a great question, Jerry. Thank you. And uh, you know, we are our community has a contemplative, active. Uh, life. And so we spend five hours of the day every single day in prayer. And that's always a bit of a shocker uh, for people, especially because our first prayers generally are at six o'clock in the morning. We have a beautiful chapel in our convent and we're there together praying 
for the first three hours or so of the day. We usually attend Mass at St. Mary's uh, in the mornings at 8 o'clock, and that's part of those first hours of prayer for us. But then what happens for the rest of the day? And people are always concerned, is your life boring? Is it boring? Kids ask us in, in schools and people on the street will even stop. Sister, is it boring? And I have to say, our life is not boring. I would love actually a boring day where nothing really unusual or odd or difficult happened, but I have yet to see one of those and I'm 15 years you know, in the convent at this point. So I look forward to the day if it ever will come, but I, I'm not so hopeful that it will. Um, our life is uh, has all kinds of different things happening. We our main ministry, our main what we do, our main work, that's usually what people are first thinking of. When, what do you do? What, what do you, what's your work? Um, it's twofold. We have uh, a strong uh, need and desire to do hands-on work with the poor. As Franciscans, that's always a, an element and an important one of the Franciscan way of life is to serve the poor. And so for us, that can take a lot of different forms in different places. Um, we have soup kitchens and shelters and different things in, in the States that we're very involved with. Here in Drahada, we found that to be a, a little bit of a more hidden ministry because it's more one-to-one. Um, we are, we've gotten to know over the years different families and individuals who are just in a bit of need. And maybe once a month or so, we're able to visit them in their home, bring them a few bits and pieces, just to stay connected and accompany them often through life, the ups and downs, the different needs that they know were there for them. And that's one of our beautiful but very hidden ministries to the poor here. We also will be out on the streets in the town once a week, bringing cups of tea and sandwiches, especially to those who are out begging or in need, we'll, we'll bring that. And once again, to be a presence in the town amongst those who are just in need. And whether it's to say a prayer with them, to offer them the little bits we have Also a beautiful, simple ministry to the poor that we do. Then the other half or the other arm of our our work is the works of evangelization, that we want to share the good news. We want to be bringing that to others. And we do that also in many different ways. Uh, We help with retreats. We are in the St. Mary's Parish Primary School. We run a youth group for secondary school students from all around Drahada and beyond. Once a week we're with them. So it's a lot of different ministries. We have a young adult group that we've been working with over the last couple of years, ways that we're trying to help people to grow in their faith, ways that we're trying to support them to come closer to God. And so those things are all very much part of our life, but they're uh, they're all different and they can be any different moment. You can be either preparing for one of those, you're ready to give a talk, you're doing hidden work, or you're out speaking to people. And our life just has all those different elements and pieces. I think the Lord has to make another hour in the day at least for you people. <laughs> we love that. you are busy, busy. And I can understand there why you're not, uh, uh, you know, bored <laughs> by any means with, with all that's going on there. Sister Solanus, for you, you dress very modestly, let him, let me say, as you always have from the day you arrive. I think I mentioned this before. Do you miss the luxury trappings of life that young women love in general, the fashion, the makeup, all that type of stuff? I don't. <laughs> Not one bit. I love waking up in the morning knowing exactly what I'm going to wear. Um, and it's really wearing the habit. We wear a habit and a veil. It's such a privilege from the... I've been wearing a habit now, uh, let's see, four years almost. Um, And the privilege of being in public, being on the street, and people, anyone who looks at me knows that my life is for God. They know exactly who I am. Um, I'm a spouse of Christ. And they know that just by seeing me. And I wear a veil because I'm a bride. And they 
people get that, um, whether they're religious or not. And the number of people who will come up and ask questions, ask questions about the faith, about the church, or just want to talk about their life and what is so difficult for them and beg for prayers and say a prayer right there on the street corner. Um, it's such a privilege to receive that, that, um, yeah, I wouldn't, I wouldn't want to put on makeup and a dress for anything else. <laughs> and I take it you are respected from what you say there as well. There's a respect there for is, you. There is. It's really, it's beautiful to encounter, um, I'm the vast majority of people that we yes. would that we would meet, and um, and the number of people who have such fond memories of saying, "I I knew sisters when I was little," and it's just such a it brings back so many beautiful memories to meet you and to see you, and um, you're a reminder of the church on the streets mm. right here that that the church is with me, that Jesus is with me. Um, it's a privilege to hear that, receive that, just by walking to the store. I haven't done anything. Yes. Yes, it really is. Do you ever, you know, when you, you go back and visit your families, I, I take it, of course, you have big connections with your family still, so you have to have. Do you ever come out of the veil and and, and the uniform, you know, when you're back home, if you, if you take a holiday? Sure, yeah. So we we never do, actually. This is the only thing I have to wear. Uh, we go and visit our families every year. We, we're blessed uh, that we're usually for a couple of weeks, we'll be home to see them and we'll also go into New York and see the sisters uh, there. But we... Um, this is it. This is it. So when I'm home with my family, when I'm playing basketball with my brothers, when I'm hiking in the woods with my nephews, this is what I'm wearing. And it's it's really because this is who I am. And and I don't uh, like it's first of all a reminder to me that I'm a sister and that's my life, that it's my identity. It's not just something I take on and off. And so um, when I'm with my family, they get to see and and they, uh, my my parents in particular, really enjoy if we're walking up the road or something, they'll like to walk a little bit behind me so they can watch the reactions of the people, especially my, my small hometown outside of Boston. You know, they don't see habited nuns like this that often. And the reactions sometimes are, you know, people will turn around or do a double or triple or quadruple take because they just, you know, it's unusual, and so my family actually really enjoys getting to be around with me and uh, being in my habit. But really, like Sister said, the, the immense privilege of it is, you know, and people can say, well, in the summer it can be hot, especially summers in New York. Mm. But like the inconvenience, that the privilege so far outweighs the inconvenience or the sense of for the the odd times when when you know people might not be as respectful or might be a little bit more antagonistic antagonistic towards us. Yeah. Um, there's still this sense of I wouldn't trade it for anything for those moments when someone comes to you burdened down by life and knows you're a sister. You belong to me. You're my sister. I can come to you. I've never met the person before. I might never see them again. But those encounters are so precious that the rest is really just a, a flash in the pan. What about the other luxuries in life? <clears throat> you know, besides your clothing, say, for example, a meal out or, you know, things like that. Is that something you ever partake in or enjoy now and then someone might take us out for a meal or my yes. family visited friends yeah, okay. from the states have visited yeah. and taken us out but the i part of what i love and what i first loved the first time i visited our sisters was that we eat three meals a day together in the convent together yeah. as a family that we sit down at a table in our own convent yes that we take turns cooking i learned how to cook in the convent i was a college student i had no, I knew how to make toast. Um, and so my sisters have taught me how to cook and to cook for them. And it's part of our family life that 
that we we live together and we eat in our convent together. Our life, we also live a life of poverty. Um, it's it's a big part of our life that um, we don't have an income. We live on divine providence on um, donations and and a lot of that is the food that's provided for us that so many generous friends um, will ask, what do you need sisters? And we might need vegetables right then and, and the gift that they'll bring us vegetables. And so as part of our poverty too, um, we rely on divine providence um, for the food that we eat and we and we and make happens. use of it in our convent. It happens. Always. I've never gone hungry. You've never, that's what say. Usually we have too much. Yeah. Isn't that fantastic, you know, to, to understand that, that that is forthcoming. It, it, it really, really is. You know, I sit here today humbled in your presence. I may say that. I, I really am. I have the height of admiration for you and uh, your congregation and all who give of themselves, give of themselves to others and to life and to God as you have done. It is immense, may I say. Mm. It is immense. Thank you. It's, it's been a joyous last half hour for me <laughs> on this show. It really has. I've enjoyed your company so mm. much. I thank you on behalf of all those you help and continue to help over the years. I wish you blessings with your ministry and all you do. And thank you so much for coming among us here in Drogheda, the Northeast community, and for what you do today for the moment. Don't leave it as long again. <laughs> Sisters Kelly Francis and Solanus, thank you both for joining me on Late Lunch. Yeah, thank you so much, Jerry. We're grateful, grateful to be with you. And if I may mention, we have a website. If anyone wants to find out a bit more about us, it's franciscansisterscfr.com. And you can check out that website to connect in a bit more. Thank you. Well worth connecting, may I say. Thank you for joining me again. Take care. God bless you. God bless The Late Lunch Artist of the Week. Artist of the Week. Yes, my Artist of the Week this week is our very own Mr. Christy Moore. And, uh, you know, his music has been so influential through the generations. He's a great man to sing and write about causes. Of course, he's left-leaning and Republican too. Indeed, that's what prompted me to feature him this week. I was looking at him on TV uh, the other night in the Barrowlands in Glasgow. What a gig that was. He burned the candle at both ends, Moore, in his early and midlife years. And that all really came back to haunt him, that lifestyle, as he battled with alcohol and then developed severe cardiac problems, which saw him having to reduce and curtail his workload and performance schedules. Not that it stopped him entirely, but he took a bit of a sabbatical, but then got back on the road. But certainly it's uh, become, uh, in uh, the last couple of decades or so, quite selective in the performances he uh, puts on. Anyway, today for my Christy Moore song, I'm going back to 1984 and it's from the album of the same name. Yes, it's one of Christy's most popular songs. On Late Lunch, my Artist of the Week, Christy Moore, today with this absolutely classic. If you uh, get somebody to sing this for you or play it on a night out, well, I'll tell you one thing. You'll have everybody joining in the chorus for sure and more besides. Yes, it's Mr Christy Moore and a cracker. It's right on on late lunch this Wednesday afternoon. Through you ride the finest horse I've ever seen Standing sixteen one or two 
With eyes wild and green You ride the horse so well Hands light to the touch I could never go with you No matter how I wanted to Ride on I could never go with you no matter how I wanted to Christy Moore, my artist of the week and right on on your late lunch this Wednesday afternoon. More about Christy and words and song round about this time tomorrow on the show. This Saturday at Trim Castle Hotel, the show band year's show returns and the man synonymous with the show joins me on the line. We poached him from RT Gold. Ronan Collins, hello. Good morning. How are you doing, sir? What time of the day is it, <laughs> You see, Ronan, when you reach that stage, does it matter really? I don't think so, does it? It is the afternoon. Yeah, well, I thought when I gave up the daily radio that I'd be able to have a structure to my day and uh, have more time to myself. I'm sure I've never been so busy in my life. I still don't know what time of the day it is. I think that is a great recommendation for making the change, <laughs> Ronan, yeah. to be honest. Anyway, how are you getting on? You're flying it. You went from one hour, Shaw, uh, 12 to 1, uh, to three hours now on Radio Gold. Absolutely. And it's, you know, it's a different routine and uh, a different rhythm to my life, you know, but it's still great to be involved. And and it's back to being a DJ and playing oldies. And that's ah, great. Great bit of fun, you know, better than working. <laughs> Once you enjoy something and love it, you never do a day's work in your life, as they say. And that is certainly the case. You pick your own. You just play what you want. Is that it? Or are you tied to... No, 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 we're not tied to any decade, not tied to any schedule. And on OG Gold, there's no news bulletins, there's no ads, there's no traffic. It's all music, mm. all music, 24 hours a day. Some of the shows are presented, uh, Ricochet's on there and Will Lee's on, Aidan Leonard is on it, uh, and myself and Amanda Fennelly. And, and it's great, you know, we, we literally play anything we want. Um, we don't make it 80s or 90s or have any restriction on the decades. It goes back as far as pop music began. And uh, and we do have a limit on, I think, the newest song we probably play would be from the early noughties. And uh, otherwise, anything goes. There you go. And anything goes in Trim Castle uh, this Saturday evening with the show band years. By God, you're still packing them in. It's still really, really popular, isn't it? It is, thank God. I mean, we started, this is, I, I'm, I'm not sure how many years we've actually been out. I think it's I think it's probably 13 years, maybe 14, since we did the first one. And then, of course, COVID knocked out every time structure out. So I'm not sure how many we've done. But we're back in Trim on Saturday, and we started the tour last weekend down in uh, Glore in Ennis, and we've been in Killarney, and we'll be in Sligo on Friday, and then Trim Castle on Saturday, which is one of our regular stops every year, I'm happy to say. And tickets for the Trim Castle Hotel gig, is it from the the, the, uh, the hotel itself? Yeah, it's from the hotel itself, as far as you know, and uh, they'll certainly stay in the right direction, and the show gets underway around about 8 o'clock, and we just keep going till about uh, 10 to 11 or so and we have we have Red Hurley back with us and we have Gina from the Champions 
is back with us again after a break of a few years. Uh, Dave Lawler, who's from Tullamore County Offaly, is one of the regulars on the show. And Sean O'Dowd, with and without his jingling, is there <laughs> as well. And uh, Keith and Lorraine MacDonald and the Conquerors. So it's a it's a familiar lineup, but um, you know it's it's a great show to do. It's great fun, and it's just music the whole way for nearly three hours. Yeah, I'd read with me lately here, I think it was uh, December there, he dropped into me here, we had a good old chat as well, and uh, he's just loving uh, still being on stage and doing what he does best. And and I have to say, that voice, Ronan, my, oh my, one of our greatest ever. Oh yeah, absolutely, and he's singing great, I'm happy to say, and singing really well, and um, um, as is everybody on the show, if they're not singing well, they have... A lot of people to answer to, but no, they're, they're great. They're, they're all giving it their best, and uh, and it's great fun. It's a good, lively show, and it's all about nostalgia, you know. Mm, and 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 that's what people uh, cling to and love and adore, and why they come back time after time. I, I think I mentioned you before. You weren't doing much. Any golf? No, or is that well? There'll be no golf this weather with the way the bloody country's been with weather since last October. <laughs> I played golf today. There you I played, go. Well, I played, I played Lynx golf, so um, that right. was, it makes it easier. You know, it's not so uh, soft underground as so many of the inland courses are suffering at the moment, you know. Yeah. But uh, it was a, a good, brisk, cold day now. I didn't play 18, I played 12, and, and it was nice, nice to go out and play. Yeah, well, that's good. You know, and the links of the saviors uh, for sure at uh, this time yeah. of the year when when the weather is is so horrendous. So you have a whole beyond trim. You're you're travelling around the country with the, with the with the crew and the show. Absolutely, as I say, we started last week in Ennis and we were in Killarney, and this week we have Sligo trim and the National Concert Hall, and then uh, next week we're in Galway and in in Mullingar, and after that. We're in left, right and centre. We're back down in Tralee. We're in Cork for two nights. We'll be in Waterford. We'll be in Kilkenny and Wexford. And um, we'll be over in the TLT in Drogheda in February as well. So we're all over the place. And it's a great job, you know. It's great to be still doing it and enjoying doing it, you know. That's the best thing. Ah, isn't it good you can even get time for 12 holes of golf you're such a busy man <laughs> anyway uh, keep the ball on the fairway keep the shows on the road and keep the gold disc spinning Ronan Collins thank you for joining me at late lunch today thanks Jerry. good to talk to you and you too. Everybody. See you. take care bye bye that's uh, Ronan Collins there belting away strong by god they are you often hear that from people don't you when they change tack or change course in life sure I don't know how I did all I used to do I have a, a minute in my life now with all this new stuff really good to hear one of the real good guys of the business Ronan Collins and just reminding you again it is uh, this Saturday in Trim Castle Hotel the show band year show it is one to be recommended that's it on late lunch for this Wednesday afternoon thank you for your company have a nice evening Eddie Caffrey's on his way with the drive here on LMFM radio and we leave you with a taste of what will be happening in Trim on Saturday. See you for Thursday's late lunch from 1.30. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. 
Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50% to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns.